0: This episode, I am really grateful to have here with me on Zoom, Nick O'Brien, who has been a super patron of Wisconsin Music Ventures from very, very early on, and uh, and now uh, sort of an announcement that we're going to be telling. Well, should I go into it right away? What do you think, Nick?
1: Um, you know, maybe tell the like the chronic the chronicle of like how we met and then I got pulled in to do the, you know, the meetups and it's just the evolution of my involvement. Does that yeah. sound okay?
0: Okay. Well, we'll keep this cliffhanger going then. So <laughs> <laughs> if you can't already guess it. So yeah, Nick has been a big fan of ours, of music in general, music life, and all the, you know, the, the many things that, that there are in this community in Wisconsin. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm really glad to have him here today. So Nick O'Brien, welcome.
1: Oh yeah, Allison. Thanks for having me. I always enjoy talking with you, and I think uh, this is the first time maybe one of our conversations has been recorded. So uh, there will be value uh, value to be gained in this conversation from both of us, and hopefully for the listeners as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, so you have been, like I said, a, a patron of Wisconsin Music Ventures for a while, and. A supporter of ours since very early on, um, pretty much since COVID, I think, uh, since we were really in the heart of, like, early COVID, and there wasn't much that we could do except do online events. Uh, is that what, kind of what you recall?
1: Yeah, I mean, I wasn't aware of Wisconsin Music Ventures before COVID, and we met. Uh,
0: Most people weren't, yeah.
1: <laughs> and we met on a virtual, like, networking event, and, mm-hmm. like, um, I think we had like two and a half minutes to introduce each other um, in a one-on-one breakout room. And you told me about Wisconsin Music Ventures and just kind of the idea around putting, you know, independent musicians in Wisconsin in very, you know, intimate and, and kind of non-conventional uh, spaces. And I was like, take, you know, what can I do? Like, take my money. I want to support this. This is what I love about music. Um, I'm I'm very much a fan of <laughs> of of independent musicians more so than I am of the things or the the musicians and the bands that you're gonna you know hear on the radio and things like that and and then from a live music perspective you know my favorite experiences in life are being in a small venue with in, in a listening type environment not necessarily in like the bar crowd um, where where the attendees of the show are. Are are in 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 tune with the musician and 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 the work that they're, they're the beautiful work that they're putting out into the world, um, and I I I go to those types of shows multiple times a week. So it's it's a I think I've told you this before, Allison. Live music uh, is a form of self care for me, um, yeah. and it's also pretty pretty darn entertaining. So it's kind of uh, there's a there's a dual benefit.
0: Yeah, I love hearing that, and yeah, we absolutely need people like like Nick, like you, around so that uh, it continues to thrive. Uh, that our our scene, our, our independent scene, continues to thrive um, and build from that. So um, yeah, I, and I should give a shout out to Jeremy with New because that is the the official meetup that we at, that we met through. Because um, I think both of us, I mean, you know, everyone really was looking for a way to stay in touch with people um to to have conversations with people besides those that they were living with during that wild and crazy time in in COVID-19 era um and Newwaukee was you know Johnny on the spot with like getting uh something going I how early do you think they were doing those
1: oh gosh I think it, I mean it must have been within the first month for sure if not like within the first few weeks um I think there was they they was called the Coffee Networking Club or something like that. Um, I I I went to a handful of them and met great people uh, of whom I'm still connected with. But I think I'm probably the 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 um the most meaningful connection was without a doubt with you. It's (laughs) it's it's led to a friendship. It's led to um you know some of the things that we're going to dive into in terms of how I've been involved with the organization, Mm -hmm. not only as a patron but as a contributor. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I'm just, I'm super grateful as well for, uh, new and putting that together because those are the times in which we all needed to collide with new people. And, uh, new walkie has a knack for creating those types of serendipitous collisions. And you don't necessarily know what's going to come out of it, but you know, that it's going to be meaningful and valuable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, um, I'd like to just find out, um, how, did you, uh, how did you get in touch with Jeremy at Milwaukee? I think you've been friends for a while, right?
1: Yeah. So Jeremy and I have been friends since uh, early 2015. Um, at the time, I was working at uh, a chamber of commerce in central Wisconsin. And uh, Milwaukee had been running Young Professional Week in Milwaukee um, for a few years. And they then expanded that initiative across the state. And, um, and so the first year that, that YP week was going to happen as a statewide initiative was, uh, really in the first few months of my role with the, with the chamber leading the young professionals group. And, um, the very first event of the very first young professional week at a statewide level in any state, not just Wisconsin, uh, the kickoff event um, that was going to gather all these young professional groups and and its members uh, for for a kickoff event was going to be in Wausau. And I had never planned an event before in my life. And, you know, the biggest one that I could have planned um, was the first one. So talk about drinking out of a fire hose. And I remember, uh, you know, reaching out to Angela and Jeremy at Newwaukee and saying kind of like, look guys, I don't really know what I'm doing. So Mm -hmm. could you help, you know, just kind of point me in the right direction. And it ended up being an amazing event. And not long after that, Jeremy and I kind of collaborated on our very first project together. And, um, and it's kind of been, you know, uh, downhill since then we've, we've, (laughs) we've, we've done a lot of things together, uh, both he and I independently, as well as our respective, um, you know, businesses collaborating on some things and, uh, and and now we've you know we've kind of evolved out of the young professional engagement uh, space and more into the um, the entrepreneurial engagement space. With yeah. he and I both running startups, and um, and uh, we we recently uh, co-founded an initiative called the Milwaukee Founder Community, which is uh, designed to connect um, startup founders to each other and to the resources. Uh, that they may need to help uh, start and uh, grow their businesses.
0: Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And I, I love it when like great minds are all, and you know, this involved in the same kind of efforts and, like and, and I think that was what was really fun about meeting you in, in the, I think it was called Coffee Co working Connections or something like that. Yeah, um, I, through through Milwaukee because I could tell right away like we were going to be we were going to be friends. Because <laughs> but uh, and I I met Jeremy, um, but kind of not not quite similarly, but when I had started Wisconsin Music Ventures uh, as a kind of like this unusual unusual pop up style performance um, kind of thing at the time uh, because it was leaning towards being an unusual event type thing um, but you know always um, in the in the form of live music um, people many people were telling me oh it sounds like something that the people at Newwaukee like would really like to know about or be associated with you should really talk to them and i can't even tell you how many times like people kept saying you got to talk to New Newauki and so finally i actually like sought them out. And we we had a conversation that was right before COVID. So um, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's uh, and then ever since then, I've, I've wanted to stay in touch. And I'm really grateful that um, that we did get in touch. But um, the reason I was also bringing uh, that up, because I, I suspected this might be part of the story is that uh, it tells a little bit about what you were doing um, prior to COVID. And, and even still, right now is the community building kind of role that you've had. Uh, can you expound on that a little bit more?
1: Yeah, so it, it kind of starts um, back in my first career, which is what actually moved me to Wisconsin. I grew up in Missouri in the northeast corner in a, in a rural area, uh, went to college about 30 minutes away from where I grew up, and then got my first job, uh, which which was in sports broadcasting um, about 30 minutes from where I grew up, but on the Illinois side of the Mississippi River. And uh, that was something that I had been focused on, um, that, that career in sports broadcasting. It's something that i had been focused on since probably like the middle part of my teenage years. Um, I just knew that uh, I played a lot of sports growing up. And um, I thought, you know, of course, everybody wants to go and play in the pros. And that's what all my friends were saying. And I thought to myself, well, um, you know, I'm not. I, I don't know that I'm as athletic as I would need to be to play, you know, professional sports, but I know that I'm smart and I have a high, uh, kind of read on the games that I, the sports that I were, that I was playing. And at that point I was watching sports center, the same one, like six times a day and just kind of analyzing different parts of each episode. And I didn't, I wasn't even doing it intentionally. I was just like, kind of it just happened that way i'd watch one i'd watch an episode once and i'd pay attention to the way that they cut highlights and i'd watch the same episode again and i'd pay attention more to like the 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 sportscasters like one-liners and things like that and so it kind of evolved into um, me getting into the tv industry fairly early in my life Um, i was a teenager and doing some Internships with different TV stations in the area and then, you know, went to to college and and majored in communications with an emphasis in broadcast journalism and then uh, got my first job, like first full-time job uh, when I was still enrolled in in college. And then that that company that I was working for um, with that first job um, shipped me up to Wausau. Uh, to to do some Packers beat reporting and cover high school and college sports as well as the Bucks and 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 the Brewers. And um and so I I had never stepped foot in Wisconsin soil uh when I packed everything that I had into my crappy SUV and drove eight hours north away from everybody I'd ever met in my life. Mm-hmm. And I immediately fell in love with Wisconsin. I remember um driving up uh highway 29, and 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 you get to a point, you know, kind of the Stevens Point area where the foliage just kind of changes, you know, and it was October, so it was fall, and the colors were just so invigorating. It was like I remember taking the first exit to get into the Wausau metro area, and it kind of takes you up on this overpass. And Wausau kind of sits down in this in this valley, this river valley. And I looked around and I said, wow, I get to live here. Mm-hmm. Not like I have to live here, because a lot of people who had told me um, prior to making the decision to come up to Wausau was that basically, quote, it's cold as hell and it snows a ton. <laughs> and it was like very kind of like, eh, you might want to like rethink that. But I, I I, got to Wausau, I had, you know, about two and a half years of uh of my, of my sports casting career in, in Wausau. And I enjoyed, I enjoyed it so much. Um, but I got to a point at 25 where, um, I I had, uh, some decisions to make in terms of my professional life, because I had realized at that point that there's really only two ways to make, um, what I would call like, um, a, a decent salary in the tv industry and that is you stay in one place for you know decades and the the ratings of the station are so contingent upon your personality you know your kind of presence in the community or you just you just jump markets like every couple of years uh and i was at the point where i was uh probably it was time for me to to either make a decision and double down on uh, on sports casting in Wausau or or jump to another market which likely would have moved me out of the state. And all the while uh, when I was in Wausau those first few years I'd really kind of fallen in love with the cultural components of the of the of the area and 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 of Wisconsin kind of at large. The people here are just so much different than I had, you know, ever experienced in my life uh, to that point, just so nice and welcoming. And I just, it was like, these are my people. And I, and I, and I also like had come to learn quite a bit about with, uh, Wisconsin's, um, culture of gathering, you know, all the festivals that happen. And, Mm -hmm. um, and, and I learned about those because my colleagues, uh, at the TV station on the news side were, were covering those, those events and, and, I never really got the chance to attend them because they all happen the same time that sports happens, you know, (laughs) nights, weekends, and holidays. So, so when it came to the point of making a decision of what I was going to do, leave Wisconsin and continue my sports broadcasting career, um, the factor that kind of probably was the, the most influential factor was like, man, I've, I feel at home here and I can't stay because I need to make more money. Uh, I can't stay here and continue with my broadcasting career because I need to make more money, and um, and so it kind of said, well, I think maybe I'll just take a year off uh, of the sports kind of industry, and um, you know just get a job that's a nine to fiver, get my nights and my weekends back, and uh, experience what there is to experience in Wisconsin, and and then move on and and get back into TV and move on from Wisconsin and have my own stories to tell about the experiences that I had in Wisconsin that were outside of, you know, my really, really invigorating experiences that happened, you know, covering sports in the state. Um, And at that point then, um, I kind of realized I thought I had made a huge mistake uh, after that became uh, like finalized because I realized that, Oh, I, I, am good at my job because I really, really care about the work and the people that I'm covering. And it, it kind of, it took like six phone calls or six phone interviews with, you know, like, um, car dealerships around the Wausau area, um, that said, Oh, come work for us. Everybody would want to buy a car from the sports guy. It dawned on me like, Oh yeah, I'm not going to be passionate about that work. And if I'm not passionate about the work, I'm, I, I'm not going to meet expectations of my employer or even of myself because there's just not that kind of that purpose that fuels, you know, action. Um, and so it was kind of a, a, a roundabout way of how I ended up, um, you know, landing with the chamber in Wausau. Um, you know, they, they kind of recruited me a little bit. And I think a, a portion of that was because I was well known in the community uh, you know, giving um, you know that central Wisconsin market arguably the most important news of the day, which is mm-hmm. like what the Packers are up to. <laughs> and I told him like I've never planned an event in my life. I'm not like a community manager. Like I don't know really anything about economic development or talent attraction and retention. And they were like, oh, we can teach you all that stuff. You just go be you. <laughs> and and I think a, a large part of that was because I had told them like why I was choosing to stay in Wausau mm-hmm. without a job. And it was because of the story that I just told you, you know, I had really kind of become engaged with some of the things and, in in the cultural components of the, of the, of the area and of the state. And I wanted to experience those things for myself. And so they said, that's exactly what we want other millennials to do. Mm -hmm. So you're the perfect poster child and perfect messenger of, of that, of that narrative. So that's how it kind of came to be. And I, I spent um, about a year with the chamber leading young professional groups uh, and then I, I decided, you know, I, I it, it, it worked like fantastically. Like I still to this day look back on that first year and like how the hell did that happen? Because the group grew, the membership of that young professional grew, group grew from like 50 individuals to like 2,700 individuals in that first year. And I'm just like, I had been, you know, pulled out of sports broadcasting and in a number of months was put on economic development panels across the state. Because somehow, you know, this 25-year-old kid is creating, um, you know, meaningful and economically impactful engagement with millennial talent. How the hell is that happening, you know, in Wausau, of all places, not in like Madison or Milwaukee, where there's a stronger density of those types of people? Um, And so I just kind of learned, like, I think I'm good at this, but I don't know why. And and I I took three months off uh, after I left the chamber to kind of just study my own work. You know, like, why did that work? Was that a fluke, or could could there be a theory that I am I'm not consciously aware of, but some subconsciously, maybe I knew something that I didn't even know know that I knew, and uh, and so I traveled the state and went to other young professional events in other other cities and kind of put my work up against their work and just studied like why did what I did work and what they did didn't work. And as a result of that process, you know, kind of being a student of my own work, I learned um, that I do have a a gift for this type of stuff for engaging people, for connecting people to each other, for connecting them to place, and for connecting them to potential. And um, that community engagement theory uh, seemed pretty applicable across any sort of um, demographically focused um, engagement effort. And it wasn't just, going to work with young professionals, it could work with minorities, it could work with entrepreneurs, it could work with artists and musicians, and so I started doing that um, for the Economic Development Corporation in Wausau, uh, basically like helped them develop a community engagement department, because I believe that grassroots community development is kind of a an uh, overlooked and underutilized uh, tool in an economic developer's belt, um, and so I got really into economic development, everything from talent attraction to uh, entrepreneurial engagement to um, you know kind of activating commercial properties that have been vacant for for a long time. I got really obsessed with planning events in vacant buildings and just seeing the looks on people's faces when they would come to an event in a building that they've driven by so many times, but never actually been inside. And we've got it full of art and live music and food and people pitching ideas on how to make the community better. And it was just, it took over my heart, honestly. Like I I felt very early on in this process that I think I've found my purpose in life. I think I found what I am here to do uh, in this world. And I've not looked back Um, since, since then I've started a consulting company that was in 2017 to basically do that work for whatever community and whatever organization uh, needed it. And not just in Wausau Um, moved to Eau Claire, uh, got really into startup community building there, and then have since lived in Milwaukee and Sheboygan doing the same type of work, uh, you know, engaging entrepreneurs and creatives and innovators and building communities of them um, so that the economic impact that these communities, um, that that these people reside in can kind of benefit from from the work that creatives do and when, when they're together, when they're collaborating and when there's easy access between one another. Um, that's the magic that makes things happen. And that magic I kind of refer to as defi- uh, design serendipity. So a lot of my work is framed around how do I rise the likelihood of serendipitous things happening between people? And that's through design, you know, just kind of seeing it through the lens of, okay, if this is the ideal outcome, uh, what would it need to look like for that to be accomplished? And and how do you design an environment in such a way that it rises the likelihood of that kind of stuff happening it's magic
0: <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah this is all amazing stuff and i'm so glad to have a way for you to tell other people about it right here so um so yeah you've been a broadcast journalist you have then you got into the community building essentially um a lot of that was doing events whether you liked it or not at first or whether you had done that or you know expected to do that I should say or not and uh yeah and so so what role did music play along the way um when you were doing all of that
1: yeah I've been very excited to answer this question (laughs) um uh because I'm sure people listening are like okay that's a cool story Nick but like how does this tie in with music um so (laughs) I had not really been exposed to too much live music um, prior to moving to Wausau. Um I just, I just didn't grow up in a community that had a, a lot of it. Um, and, you know, where I went to college, didn't have a lot of it, where I ended up moving after college, didn't have a lot of it. And uh, um, I think it was probably 2016. Um, I was a friend of mine invited me to attend the mile of music in Appleton. Uh, I think that might've been like, mile three the third year that they had done it and I was like I'd never heard of this before but it seems cool there's going to be you know more than 250 bands independent bands playing at 75 plus venues across you know a mile you know kind of race or a mile radius uh, on College Avenue in downtown Appleton and it's free you know like what why wouldn't I do this you know and I go and I went and I I just fell in love with you know honestly the music but but the community, uh, I, have a, I have a knack for feeling when community is present. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a community at Mile of Music that is equally strong on the musician side as it is on the attendee side. And I think the organizers of that festival do an amazing job of, of trying to generate that type of community, both programmatically and organically. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever that I could just walk up to a musician after his or her set and introduce myself and tell them that, hey, I really liked that that set your amazing guitar player or your lyrics were so well written. And, and then this just started hanging out with musicians who I had met at mile music. And all the while um, you know, there was a kind of a movement happening in Wausau as well. Um, I became friends with the owner of Malarkey's pub in downtown Wausau, which for a, a, a good portion of the last 15 years has been like the kind of incubator of, of musicians in, in Wausau and largely in central Wisconsin And, um, you know, I, because I was friends with Tyler, he would tell me, hey, I'm doing, I've got a show coming out or, you know, there's three of them coming up this week and I would end up going to all of them and just the way that I felt seeing live music in a small venue, you know, sometimes it was a Tuesday night and he's gotten some Grammy award winning guitar player who's on his way from Chicago to Minneapolis to stop into Wausau and play, you know, a 90 minute set on a Tuesday night. And I'm looking around and there's like eight people in the bar and there's this amazing musician in front of me. I'm just, it feels, you feel so fortunate that you get to have that experience. And you also feel like, why the hell is there no one else here? Like I should, I want to tell people that they should come to this because this is an incredible experience. And it was, you know, it was just all downhill after that. I fell in love. Um, I, I, am <laughs> almost regretting to admit, but I'm not scared to admit that at, at a point in uh, in 2017, um, I spent more music on concert tickets and musician merchandise um, in a month than I did in rent. And um that kind of solidified it for me. I was like, okay, you either got a a love here or or it's a problem, you know. Uh but either way, I, I think I am addicted uh to you know live music. And um because of you know just being in those environments, you become friends with musicians. So a lot of my friends in all the cities that I've lived in have been musicians. Um and I think I'm just drawn to creative types of people. And ones that I can support so easily by just showing up to a show or making a post on social media about, you know, a show coming up that a friend is having and, and getting others to come there. Like, it's an easy way to support musicians by just having an extra voice for them to lean on in terms of getting their work out into the community.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And yeah, and I, I can tell from having been around you at some of the, the shows that we do, um, like, I just love... How excited you get to hear them <laughs> and uh yeah it's been it's, it's been really joy. and that's that's you know and you are like exactly the type of person we want to keep doing this kind of thing for so um it's just been a, a joy and then so can you and then you started getting involved with us uh, as, as we said earlier after we uh, met in the Milwaukee online um uh, networking platform but uh, and you started attending a couple of the online events for us. Can you just tell a little bit about um, your experiences with Wisconsin Music Ventures?
1: Yeah, I think I don't know if it was the first one, but it was it had to have been one of the first few um, Sunday surprise brunch concerts that right. that that Wisconsin times. Music Ventures was putting on during COVID. And I thought oh, this is this is perfect because I am just like jonesing right now for live music. And uh, on a Sunday morning, like you know, if I can, you know, have a you know my breakfast and a bloody mary or a mimosa while I'm watching a, a musician play a Zoom show that I I wasn't aware of uh, the musician I wasn't aware of and and there's a community aspect there because you can see everybody's faces on on the Zoom um, and just it was it was great. So I mean, I knew from the very beginning, like my first exposure to to a WMV show was like, yeah, this is great and it's not even like the full fledged version of it, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, it's, it's just a zoom concert. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and so, um, you know, that was kind of what kicked it off for me. And, um, and then once things started to open up again, you know, I remember you launched uh, a new series at the, at the firehouse in, mm-hmm. in, in Wabatosa, And I went to the first few shows there and I was like, yes, this is exactly what I want.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, yeah, I mean, just, you, you found product market fit with me. That's for <laughs> sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for sharing on that. And it, yeah, those zoom concerts. Um, yeah, we did. Uh, Stop doing them after a little while because as things opened up, um, it just made sense to go back to uh, the in-person approach and, and, but they were fun and they kept us going there during COVID. And um, it was always interesting because, and, and you might appreciate this you know, with your broadcast journalism perspective, but um, you know, we just never knew what the audio was gonna end up being because, you know, every musician setup was so different and they were all doing it out of their house and, or apartment or wherever they might be. I think some of them had a studio they were working out of them. But um yeah, and then you just never knew. I mean <laughs> the good and the bad part about using Zoom is like, you know, we want the audience to be there and feel a part of it. And but sometimes, you know, people would just forget to mute themselves and that whole thing and for the performance it's a little tricky but uh it was really fun to do for for that time
1: yeah and I'm glad you mentioned like you know obviously the fact that that most of the musicians were playing from their living rooms or their Mm -hmm. garages or their basements or whatever it felt very tiny desk to me you know and and I became a fan of tiny desk not long after I became a fan of live music and uh and it was like I, I wonder what it would be like to be in the audience for one of these shows you know Um, And so that was like a nice little element to the Sunday um, surprise brunch concerts, because you didn't know who it was going to be, which I love. I love going in with like no expectations. I just Mm -hmm. feel like you're, you're more open uh, to what you're going to experience uh, when you have that kind of mentality going in. And it, it dawned on me like during that first show, and I was like, "Oh, this is kind of like a tiny desk in Wisconsin, and there's only like 12 people on the call. This is exactly what I want." You know, yeah, exactly. I felt so lucky to even be invited, uh, let alone to actually, um, you know, have the opportunity to experience it. So, yeah, I I, I really love those concerts. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. And then you've uh, you've now probably what for about six months or so. You've been leading some of our in person. I'm sorry, not in person, online live uh, meetups for musicians. Do you wanna talk
1: about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So uh, at the time that you and I had met um, in the early weeks of, 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 of the pandemic, I was on a retainer project um, in Sheboygan County um, and, and I was tasked with building a community of entrepreneurs and innovators. Um, and, and so as a part of that effort, I was hosting weekly meetups uh, online for you know innovators and entrepreneurs to to meet each other and um i think i had sent you a a, a few invitations and you you stopped into one or two and um and then you reached out to me and said hey this is this is i really like the way you do this it seems like everybody's super engaged and like the results that come out of it people meet each other they actually end up scheduling you know one-on-one meetings as a result of it um i think even a few times Uh, actually more than a few times, you know, in one of those 75 weekly meetups that I hosted during 2020, um, that people who did not know each other prior to these meetups ended up working together on something, whether it be a new business or a project for a business or even two businesses um, kind of you know figuring out that oh shoot you could you could be in my supply chain you know and 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 so that was cool to see that type of stuff happen which is obviously why I do it you know Mm -hmm. I, I do it for the the impact that can happen it's not just getting together and you know you know for lack of a better word just bsing about whatever's on people's minds there's a real kind of value to that type of work and and so you would reach out to me after one of those meetups and said I really like this and uh what do you think about doing something like that for musicians? And I was like, are you kidding me? Heck yeah, I would do that. And, uh, and so that's kind of where it started. And, you know, I don't think it was too long after that, that we hosted our first one and uh, the musicians really seemed to love it and people met each other. And I think there were a few instances of, uh, you know, people who weren't familiar with each other's bands would go and go to their shows. And I think there's a few times that even um, a couple of musicians ended up collaborating together on something as a result of of those meetups. So it's been a really, really fun experience for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 part of that is because I feel like it's been a valuable experience for those who participate. And because uh, I don't do things just for me, I want to make sure that the people that are participating in whatever it is I'm doing are actually getting a value out of it. And uh, I think that's been clear.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm really, really glad to have you involved at that level. So and then I think you've gotten to make, make, make friends with a lot of these musicians and hang out and you're like, you know, all of a sudden you're like, besides being, you know, a super patron, you're a super groupie now. Yeah,
1: that's <laughs> totally true. I was going to say the word groupie because um, that's that's generally what my friendships have been like, you know, in every city I've lived in. I make friends with musicians and then because the way that I'm programmed, I, I want to support them as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Like I kind of fill that groupie role um, or at least one of them. Uh, cause I know I'm not the only person, you know, that, that, yeah. that does that type of stuff that I the term like, wouldn't.
0: Yeah. I feel like the updated term for that these days is super fan.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's just so, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, it's just so much easier to support a musician that you're friends with, you know, like, um, you connect better with their music because you kind of know the backstory behind particular songs and maybe, you know, different points of their life that, that they were in with high or low, that kind of inspired, you know, full albums or, or, you know, even, even different, you know, parts of their life that have inspired them starting a new band. You know, it's that those types of people and human centric stories that actually end up leading to something like a project, uh, or in this case, a band or an album or something like that. It's just, I'm, I'm addicted to that type of stuff. And I, I love the story. And, um, and so yeah in Milwaukee, you know as a result of these meetups um, which is not just for Milwaukee musicians but a large part of the of the attendees are from the Milwaukee area you know I've met John Justice on a meetup mm-hmm. and you know he was starting a podcast and 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 so that podcast has become, like part of my daily morning routine, like mm-hmm. I listen to it every single day. And then he and I would get together and talk about his music and talk about his podcast. And now we're going to shows together to support other musicians. And I'm pointing people, uh, you know, other friends who are not music, you know, new musicians, but are music fans directly to, you know, John's shows. And, and there's a handful of other musicians too, that, uh, That are in the uh, in the uh, Wisconsin music ventures community, Uh, seven thousand apart is another one of those like that. uh, I wish they weren't all the way up in Green Bay because I would I would absolutely go to their shows more often if they were closer. Um, But just meeting, you know uh John Anomaly has been great just really good humans and and I think that's where it starts for me is like if you're a good human I, I don't really care how great of a musician you are I'm going to try to support you because I'm friends with you because of who you are as a person not because of who you are as a musician the the musicianship is more just icing on the cake um so yeah it's absolutely been a funnel for me to um you know, to, to stay in Wisconsin, um, and to kind of reinforce my, my already existing love for live music. When I get to chance to go see my friends play, it's just, yeah, it's, it's a double whammy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. love that. So, I mean, one of the reasons that you're here today, I think we can go into this now is, uh, because we're going to be doing a bit of a, a bit of a handoff, not Completely, but enough. Where I, I mean, you have this amazing background of um, of the broadcast journalism and the and the community building, and you're already fairly well immersed in Wisconsin Music Ventures. Uh, and I am getting to the point where I could really use some extra help with things. Um, I do a lot of things, so um, you know, I I was just thinking recently, hey, I think I could use some help taking over the you know the reins with the podcast. So. Um, yeah, going forward, Nick O'Brien is actually going to be taking the lead on the Musicians' Venture podcast, and I'm really excited for that. So, yeah, you want well, to talk about that at all?
1: The excitement is very mutual. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I felt I had the feels when you asked me that uh, yeah. that question a few weeks back, and I was like, "Wait, well, this seems like I'm dreaming. This seems too good to be true." Because I do this anyway, like I. You know, with with, you know, I'm doing this right now in the in the entrepreneur community in Milwaukee, just sitting down with founders and kind of, you know, asking about their journey and, you know, kind of chronicling their their life, not necessarily with a focus on their company, but a focus on them and the human experience of what it's like to be a founder And, um, and so it seemed like a natural thing to do. Like I have conversations like this with musicians after shows all the time. I just, I have a, like an, um, an insatiable, like desire to just learn people's stories and particularly creatives stories, um, whether those are entrepreneurs or musicians who are also entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. um, but just people who are putting themselves out there in, in an original way you know, that those are special types of people. And those are the people that I think, um, really enrich my life, uh, shows me what's possible. Um, people who are kind of going against the odds and doing the thing that's not the the conventional narrative of, you know, I just, I go to high school, I go to college, then I get a job and then I retire 40 years later. Like I, I am I'm, I'm drawn to people who who take the work, the road less traveled. Mm-hmm. And that's certainly, I think, um, applicable to musicians. Um, and uh and so yeah when you asked me i was like are you kidding me like are you are you messing with me right now or is this serious and uh it just seemed like heck yeah i do this anyway if i get to do this on a on a platform that already has a solid listenership for an amazing organization like like wisconsin music ventures like how the hell could i say no to this you know
0: (laughs) yeah yeah well thank you for saying yes and uh, i think there's a lot of really great things that will come out of this um and it's actually probably good because um you know I have been doing this for almost two years um and and I you know it's good to have some other voices in the mix and really being a community based uh, business and organization uh, Wisconsin Music Ventures that is um I really think that it um it you know it's it's important and it's good for the podcast to also kind of be representative that way and to have a few more voices in the mix and uh, so Nick will generally be doing most of the interviews uh, going forward, and, um, and we'll, I'll hop in here occasionally and, and have a, a conversation with him now and then, and I'll probably still do some of those solo shows that, uh, you know, talk about some of the advice that I uh, have for musicians based on events that we have through Wisconsin Music Ventures or else, elsewhere, but um, some other things I might come across. my own musicianship or things like that but uh yeah overall um, nick is really going to be the one taking the lead with the interviews and everything else there and uh and checking out musicians and so if you are interested in (laughs) being on this podcast he's going to be your go-to and uh yeah i'm really i'm really excited so um yeah what what kinds of things do you think you are looking to do right away
1: oh i mean well first (laughs) just like i mean i i have an opportunity to get to know more musicians you know and that you know if i can say selfishly like that's awesome for me but also you know the way that this is formatted it's going to be awesome for wisconsin music ventures as well and um you know you know my my focus and my purpose in building community um and i honestly think that just me getting to know more musicians either offline or online Mm -hmm. um, is going to generate a lot more opportunities for me to make connections within the music community um, on behalf of Wisconsin music ventures. Um, I think community is so important to anything that you're trying to create. I don't care if it's a a hardware business, a software business, you know, a small retail store, or like you're trying to do a, a resource kind of collective for musicians community is just, it's the best way to, um, to market. It's the best way to recruit. It's the best way to show support. Um, because again, all those little interactions that happen between people in the community ultimately strengthen the community. So I think first and foremost, to answer your question, like I'm excited to learn about more musicians and hear their stories. And then kind of the way that my mind works is I'll often, um, uh, you know, hang on to particular things that I think are interesting about someone's story, and when that, and then when I meet somebody else that has a similar kind of story or a similar part of the story, it's like I pull, you know, from my memory, you know, par- parts of the conversation with the with the, the first musician, and uh, I'll just feel like again, like a kind of an insatiable obligation to to, to make a connection. And so I think through the podcast, um, there will be some underlying um, results that that ultimately impact the community just because I'm a connector and it's like, I can't not do it. So it will definitely be more than just like, you know, interviewing musicians, uh, but there'll be a lot of things happening behind the scenes that I hope, uh, you know, produce really, really impactful uh, results for strengthening the community and then the relationships between the people inside of it
0: yeah absolutely that's why he's gonna be perfect for this <laughs> <laughs> awesome yeah yeah and i was i you kind of answered it already i was i was thinking of this question but you kind of went into it right there like what ways can a podcast where it's generally like one sometimes two people talking into microphones on zoom typically um you know how can you build community from a podcast what you know
1: yeah i I think, um, you know, an easy way to do so is like, you know, we've done it here during this interview. Like you've brought up, uh, you know, you brought up Milwaukee, you brought up other individuals that are kind of in your personal community. And, you know, who's to say that like, you know, a percentage of the people who listen to this don't know about Milwaukee, you know? Uh, so there's so much to be said about having conversations that, are between two people but involve other people that have been influential in their lives or their careers or just doing cool things that other people should check out um you know the the strength of kind of that peer-to-peer word of mouth um marketing and 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 promotion is is such a better way um than paying for you know social media advertising or you know having an email list that you're sending out you know it's just when you hear it from the voice of somebody that you know and trust um, or you admire because of what they're doing, you immediately take that thing as credible and you go check it out. Mm-hmm. And and those are all the kind of underlying intricacies that that make up a really strong community. It's the stuff that you can't really plan for. You can't set expectations around those types of stuff, those type, that type of stuff happening. Although you can set an expectation around that happening, you just can't be specific and prescribe Like, oh, this, this person is going to meet this person and this is going to happen as a result of it. Like Mm. you got to kind of keep it open um, and let, you know, the organic nature of serendipity play its part. But if you can think about those serendipitous moments ahead of time and think, well, what are the factors that are in play that lead up to those moments? And that's where the design component of it comes in, you know? And when I say design, I don't mean like the super academic, like kind of big big thing that i don't have any technical skills you know in this i don't know that there even is like an academic uh channel for one to learn about how to design serendipity although that would be something that i would be working on later (laughs) in my career um but but um you know it's just like you put things in motion and the only way you do that is you know you 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 just have to you have to be an evangelist for like literally everything of value that you that comes into your life and if it's in a specific kind of quadrant of your life such as music mm-hmm. uh, it's really easy to just you know name drop like oh yeah yeah I went to his show the other day and it was amazing and like I didn't know the opener and I met the opener and 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 she was amazing and like just kind of getting the word out about that type of stuff during those podcast conversations, I think, is one way that a podcast can kind of generate community um, that that kind of prompts the listeners to act on their own accord to go and follow up on what they heard. You know, if if they did hear about a band that they'd never heard about before, like it's up to them to go to the show you know um we can't do it all for you uh but but hopefully it was it was it was exposed to you in a way on the podcast that was endearing and it was appealing and it kind of drives you to to do something that maybe you wouldn't have done otherwise um because of the level of conversation that the two people had about that particular artist or that that festival or whatever it may be. Like, that type of stuff happens all the time. Like the, the number of musicians that I've learned about from listening to the, the Musicians Venture podcast is like I've I've <laughs> gone to shows with people that you've interviewed. And uh so I'm I'm also a participant in this, not just kind of like a, a driver of
0: it. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks for saying that. Yeah and that was a great example that you brought up earlier that probably without realizing it but of, of what you were just t- talking about with mile of music like when when you are speaking about something very authentically and with that that pure excitement um that is a, a great way to adhere to that community concept even though it's through a microphone to a screen.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah well said. So I have a couple last little questions. Okay. uh, Let's see. I I was going to just ask you about a couple little things about yourself. Do you have uh, a type of music that you really love to listen to?
1: Huh. Well, I assume you're asking about like a genre. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Okay. Or Um,
0: do you even have a particular favorite artist that you would like to...
1: Ooh, that's an even harder question to answer. Um. So, yeah, I, I mean, I my my music, my live music consumption um, started with um, a lot of folk and bluegrass. Uh, that's pretty popular up in central Wisconsin. Some some bands early in my you know live music experience that I that I saw that kind of kind of uh, drew me to that genre. Um, Feed the Dog, Them Kool-Aid Boys, you know. Um, certainly uh, Horseshoes and Hand Grenades and um, uh, Chicken Wire Empire. You know, these, all these Wisconsin independent bands that seem to play shows at Malarky's um, that was still kind of my favorite place in the state to see live music. And it's just an Irish pub. It's nothing special. It's not a big amphitheater or a big, you know, kind of theater of any type. Um, and uh, so seeing those those types of bands kind of drew me into that and i was it was interesting cuz i was i was list, i've always listened to music you know and and i've never really had like a specific genre that i consistently listened to it was kind of based on mood sometimes it was based on the season of the year uh sometimes it's like okay what's the good music to listen to while i'm working versus while i'm on a run versus when i'm on a boat you know like fishing or something like that you know um so so folk and bluegrass i, can, I think kind of was the was the driver of what got me so in love with with live music but then that kind of evolved into alternative and and rock and you know all the different forms of rock you know prog rock and classic rock and punk i i loved uh, seeing um a, a saint patty's day show in wausau one year from a from a milwaukee-based band called whiskey of the damned mm-hmm. and that's like an irish kind of yeah. punk band okay. um and, and and then singer-songwriters, I started going to open mics uh, as just an attendee, not as a musician, and just, like, being exposed to just how powerful music can be when it's just a person in a stool and their guitar or their ukulele or a harmonica or whatever. Um, and so... I've I've also like you know dabbled in rap and hip hop and um and even like you know house and dance type music you know like EDM that type of genre um, and I, I really love it all I would I would say that I'm probably less exposed to like country music mm-hmm. um, I think it's probably because I had so much of it growing up in a in a rural community. Uh, that maybe, uh, you know, I wanted to explore some different genres. Um, But, uh, but yeah, I think I I like it all. (laughs) Uh, I, I, you know, there for a while during the pandemic, uh, I exclude like my, my runs that I would go on, you know, throughout the week where I was listening to exclusively like classical music with a modern kind of remix on it. Mm -hmm. And and so even like the classical stuff, I've really enjoyed and 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 I, and I will say like while i'm not a musician currently um you know in my past like growing up in high school uh i was i was a singer i was in the choir i did show choir like the dancing and the singing i was all state like um like bass and, and in choir i started a all boys acapella group when i was a junior in high school yes. And stuff uh, that
0: I've never heard from.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, about, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, what was the
0: you, name of the acapella group?
1: I I think it was just the name of the high school. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like it wasn't anything specific. It
0: wasn't anything like a rock acapella, or you know.
1: No, or... I, don't, I don't. Honestly, I think we did like three shows, and I think two of them were at nursing homes, like during the holiday season. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just something to do between, like it was in the fall season. I didn't play football in high school, but I was a, I, I gave most of my time in high school to, to basketball. So I, you know, I had downtime, I suppose, uh, in the fall and, and it just seemed seemed like something that a few people wanted to do, but wouldn't, wouldn't lead it. And Mm -hmm. so leave it to me, the person who like just starts projects and with, with, with no real, you know, if it's not a formal project, I don't really start it with any sort of expectations in mind or in goal. It's just like, people want to do this. Let's give it a go and see what happens. And it was fun. Uh, I learned that uh, acapella is probably not for me. Uh, <laughs> I need a, you know, a melody to kind of get me uh, in tune and making sure I'm, you know, singing in the right octave and hitting the right notes and things like that. But uh, yeah, so, I mean, the, 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 the kind of choral side of music, Um, which you are uh, 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 much more familiar with, you know, I've got some experience in that as well, given I don't necessarily like go on Spotify and and pull up like symphony music or choral music and listen to it. But uh, based on my mood that I'm having, like I will, you know, if I just want a really chill morning of doing like kind of mundane, like email catch up or something like that, I, I might throw on some like classical music just because I I want that vibe, you know, uh, in that part of my day.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. I, you know, I'm kind of along those lines too. There's, there's a style, there's a genre for everything that you do in in your day-to-day life. And, um, yeah, the, you know, from bluegrass to, um, you know, meditation to, you know, kind of music to, Classical. I'm. I mean, I'm a classically trained musician, and that's mostly what I perform. But I don't. I listen to classical. I mean, maybe it's a tenth of what I listen to. Um, you know, it's it's certainly not most of what I listen to. So,
1: what what um, is your preferred genre of music, Allison? I don't know that I I know this.
0: It's all over the place. Um I it's very similar to to I mean what you described. And I mean I grew up in in the city of Milwaukee and in a school there and I mean the earliest music I re- remember listening to was like Mariah Carey and Paula Abdul and I was a big R&B kind of kid and um although at the same time there were kids in my class listening to like uh, you know Kurt Cobain and Insane Clown Posse, and that's kind of dating me if you know who those people are. But, uh, you know the grunge was huge and, at that time, and you know so, um, I but I, I I would definitely listen to that and I, yeah, all all sorts of stuff and um I think I've talked about this a little bit before, but um I think the a really um, interesting time for me was um, after I finished my first uh, music degree as an undergrad. The first job I had was at a music store. Have I told you about this? I don't um, think so. I don't know if I've really talked about it here on on the podcast, but um, and it, it wasn't the great the greatest job, but it was working in the sheet music department of the biggest music store in our area here. And um, while that in itself, I could take it or leave it, wasn't you know the most exciting thing, but Everyone else who worked there at that store and taught out of the store and went into that store, which was mostly, um, they they really specialized in rock music, um, all sorts of other stuff like that. Everyone there was a musician, many of them professional musicians or touring musicians coming in to shop. Um, There were so many, and, and many of them are musicians that I work with now through Wisconsin Music Ventures, um coming all full circle here and uh and so I never had a dull night in my life when I worked at that store because I would go out to all of their shows they would tell me about a show I was there they probably got really annoyed with me because they're like oh there's that Allison girl if I tell her something she's gonna show up but
1: (laughs) you you (laughs) and I are similar in that vein
0: yes yep so that was kind of how I got really exposed to a lot of different varieties of music and I you know um, I, I really, you know, as, as much as the job itself sucked, I loved, it was a very formative time for me. So
1: yeah,
0: love it all. So
1: yeah, and I, 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 you, you, you spawned a memory because um, yeah. I went through a grunge phase as well. Now this was like the second wave of that grunge phase. Sure. Uh, I loved Nirvana when I was yeah. in high school, loved Nirvana, just became super fascinated with Kurt Cobain as an individual and just like. Um, you know, then got into kind of classic rock and fell in love with the Doors and Jimi Hendrix and, of course, the Beatles and just like those kind of iconic musicians from from, you know, decades past. And, um, you know, the ones that kind of like with Cobain, you know, like even in his goodbye, you know, kind of said something that that I don't know if it resonated with me. I don't know if the right word is resonated, but, it was like something about, um, it would, it's rather to, uh, you know, uh, to burn out than fade away or something like that. And I'm just like the the mentality of, of a musician's mind who um, is a creative, um, but maybe also has some like insecurities about, you know, whatever it is, you know, about their personality and, you know, just how tough it could be to be, you know, in that place. Uh, and obviously, you know, a lot of musicians struggle with mental health and addiction and things like that. And there's just like a very human component of, of music that I, I think even at an early age, subconsciously, I was just drawn to and, you know, looking back at it in hindsight, it makes so much sense that I do what I do now. And, and I love that I do what I do. Um, Cause I think even in my early, you know, my early, the early stages of my life, I was drawn to that stuff, but I just wasn't necessarily aware of why mm-hmm. um but but again looking back it's always, always easier to see in hindsight than it is in the time that it's happening so yeah that nirvana took me into like heck for a while there i was into like streamo music in high school and like you know like mm-hmm. loved like blink 182 and my oh, chemical Man. romance and yeah. stained and seether and uh dead presidents and like just all those kind of bands yeah. and I don't listen to those bands so much anymore, but every once in a while, I'll like, I'll go and have like a blast from the past, you know, like playlist, and totally. it totally brings me back to like, you know, the thirteen-year-old in me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I actually did see Blink One Eighty Two at the Marcus Amphitheater uh, at Summerfest at one point in time. That was forever ago, but yeah, I'm I'm on that page with you too. So I love it, and there's there's so many. I mean, so many musicians and so many types of music that are just perfect for any point in life or any, any action in life. And, you know, that's, that's the, that's the amazing thing about music.
1: Yeah, I will say that, uh, like the, the evolution of, of modern music with the technology that, you know, that is available now. Oh my gosh, that opens up so many more genres, you know, it's like, what even is a music genre anymore, Mm -hmm. you know? Like the, the you got genres passing over each other, you know, in a single set or on a single album. And I remember being incredibly drawn to Bon Vare, not just because like he from Wisconsin, but because it was a sound that I had never heard before, wow. you know, and it was just kind of classified as indie. And I'm like, well, I, there are other indie musicians that doesn't sound anything like this. You know, it's just a lot of, a lot of the technolo- technology that you can, you can put into music now and just the different sounds that you can stretch and the way that you can skew it. And um, it's, yeah. it's fascinating. I, I I love to see the innovation that is existing in music. And I don't think that's going
0: anywhere. And actually um, I'm glad you brought this up and I want to save this conversation for maybe our first um, Nick and Allison conversation podcast, which we'll do uh, moving forward um, every, like, I think once a month or so because um, this is a topic that I, I really think is fascinating, is that uh, in music marketing, when you need to promote your music, um, you really need to have like a really solid two to three, maybe four word uh, genre of yourself that is very tangible to the public. Um, and, and often because some of the more indie artists don't really fit into that. Um, they don't know how to de- describe themselves in a tangible way. Um, they either get mislabeled or, you know, they, they just get labeled indie and it's too vague <laughs> or singer songwriter. And like, who knows what that is, you know? Uh, so, but they, but for marketing purposes, you need to have something and, and how do you do that? How do you, you know, and are there genres we need to start inventing so that there can be more done with that, you know, but yeah. uh,
1: it's yeah. cool that you mentioned that. Cause I went to a show, I think it was last week. Um, and, uh, and I, I always look at the genre cause I'm you kind of want to know, you know, when you, especially when I had, it was like four other shows that I was like trying to choose between and, and so you do some more research, and then the, the show that I ended up winning, going to was, I was drawn to, one, because a, another musician invited me, and two, because of the genre, I and mean, you're talking about the four words that need to be kind of like um, easy for, for an audience to comprehend, uh, was classical, psychedelic, folk pop and I'm like, I don't think I've ever you know, seen those four like genres put together in one. And I was like, I am so intrigued by this. And, and I went to the show and I was like, yeah, this is exactly how I would describe that. You know?
0: <laughs> then they figured it out. They have got it. Yeah, that's great. But uh, yeah, and there's that. And then besides just that short description that musicians need, they also, you know, most places will want you to say, who do you sound like? Mm -hmm. yeah and you have to come up with something good but uh, a lot of times um indie artists don't really want to be compared to someone else um or if they do very cautiously because you know they're compared to them but but we're but we're different in this aspect so you know if you want to go to i don't know why this is the first thing that popped in my mind but like you want to go to john legend concert um i mean we're going to be different but we do some things that are kind of like him. So, um, I mean, if you like him, you'll probably like us, but, but at the same time, not. So I don't know. That's yeah. I of, always, yeah. I always
1: like when I ask musicians, you know, like, I don't know that I ever come out and ask like, who do you sound like, but often people respond to, you oh, know what kind of music do you play with, you know, like, I'll just give an example. It's like if Coldplay met, The Grateful Dead and they produced another project that sounded more like Ben Folds or something like that, you know, like you're taking a a collection of different artists and bands and like it gets my brain thinking like, okay, what would that sound like? You know, I'm familiar with all those musicians, but but. But the way that musicians describe it sometimes, it's just it's so, it so makes me so curious. And it's like it gets me to lean in because I'm like, I want to go validate that. Like, is that what is yeah. that the way that I would hear it? Yeah. Um, and sometimes I'll even like before a show where, you know, a musician is described in that way, like I'll go listen to the bands that they describe themselves, you know, like as, as a, ma- a mashup of those types of bands. I'll go listen to all those bands independently and try to try to think about like, what what parts of you know grateful dead is this going to sound like is this, is it the songwriting is it is it the guitar like what what parts of it and then and then when you see it in person it's like oh yeah that makes sense and i'm usually not right going into it but um i think it's fun cuz in the startup world that's how people describe their companies you know it's like uber but for you know, short-term rentals, or it's it's you know, it's it's like Facebook, but for professional networking, which is like LinkedIn, you know, that type of stuff. So um the it's like but for kind of framing of, of startups, it kind of coincides a lot with, with music too. And and I think you and I have talked about this before, and I think I've even brought it up on a couple of meetups. Just the interesting intersection I found myself in, um, kind of building startup communities and then building music musician communities and seeing the very similar paths that startup founders and musicians walk um it's it's almost a carbon copy um and i don't think that most of us think of musicians as entrepreneurs but they have to be you know they have to do everything and uh and and so i think that it's actually a really interesting intersection that i'm in and i think hopefully uh one element uh or results of my work with Wisconsin music ventures and now taking over the podcast could potentially lead to just even more startup founders being more fully immersed in the music scene. Um, because they're the same types of people. I just, I just don't think they know it yet.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I do believe artists might've been the original entrepreneurs for sure. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Yeah. 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 Totally.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So well said, well, is there anything that we didn't cover today that we should have?
1: I don't think so. We could, we've talked for hours before, Allison. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's never all covered, you know. Right, with... right.
0: <laughs> there will be more. And I've written down a couple of things that we can come back to in our follow-up episode. But uh, yeah. yeah, going forward, Nick will be the primary interviewer. Um, i'll pop in now and then but i'm really looking forward to what you have to say and how you um work with the guests and i know it's going to be great so yeah
1: and for any of you listeners out there that um you know maybe musicians yourselves or friends of musicians that you think uh you know might like to be on the podcast um feel free to reach out and you know send recommendations uh my Email address is Nick. My name N-I-C-K at you are here dot community, and that is you are here spelled out uh, in you know y-o-u a-r-e h-e-r-e dot community, and then you can find me on all the social platforms. Most of my handles are at Wisco Nico, uh, Instagram, Twitter. Um, I don't spend a ton of time on Twitter. Uh, Instagram is probably the go-to, but you know, find me anywhere and. Reach out because I want to meet you. I want to know how the podcast is resonating with you. Even if you have specific questions that you'd like to ask of musicians, I, I could, I could, you know, squeeze that into the interview. Um, so don't be afraid to engage. I'm a very friendly person, and I, I, I I'm not going to guarantee it, but I will say that there, if you reach out, uh, there's a good chance that we'll develop some sort of friendship. And when that happens. I'll likely feel obligated to connect you to people that I think you may know or you may need to know uh, based on kind of what your interests are or what you're maybe you're challenged with something. And I know somebody who's who's got a skill set in that. So um, you're getting I'm going to be a podcast host, but you're getting a community builder and a connector as a podcast host. So just know that coming in. (laughs)
0: Love it. Thank you. Awesome. Well, Nick O'Brien, I really look forward to the shows that you'll be putting together and thank you so much for taking this on.
1: Yeah, this was, this is a pleasure, Allison, And I'm, I'm, I'm so much looking forward to the fun that we're going to have on the yeah, podcast. Yeah. So thank you so much for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to the musicians venture podcast. Please leave ratings and reviews from where you're listening from. Visit themusiciansventure.com for information on what we have happening, past episodes, and ways to get in touch with us. The Musicians Venture Podcast is hosted by Allison M., produced by Shannon Coulard, with theme music by Mike Newmeyer. Thanks again for listening.